This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll recap the week's top stories and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the debate over changing the state's flat income tax and whether that means taxing retirement income is just around the corner, the state's dismal credit rating, and the ongoing probe into House Speaker Michael Madigan. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. While Democrats allege Republicans are playing politics with the House investigation into Speaker Michael Madigan, a group promoting reforms says the issue is much bigger than that. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin Thursday demanded Governor J.B. Pritzker push Madigan to testify to a House panel about ComEd admitting it paid bribes over nine years to Madigan Associates to influence the Speaker. Governor Pritzker, be a leader. Take charge and hold those in your party accountable. Demand answers from the Speaker and or demand his resignation. Democrats said Illinois Republicans' political theater continues and is an effort to distract from President Donald Trump. The state Democratic Party also said the speakers never made legislative decisions with improper motives and the Republicans are playing politics. Durkin said that's not the case. We've already had one person has pled guilty. We've had a corporation plead guilty uh, and there will be more to come. That's not politics. That's reality. While ComEd hasn't pleaded guilty in court, it does admit in federal filings and in recent House testimony that it paid $1.3 million over nine years to Madigan Associates in an effort to influence the Speaker. A former ComEd officials pleaded guilty to bribery in that case. Madigan has yet to be charged with a crime. Elisa Kaplan with the nonpartisan Reform for Illinois group said holding Madigan to account for the admissions ComEd made is above politics. I certainly don't think anyone can argue that the U.S. attorney's investigation into this, in, into all of this, is politically motivated, or that what we've seen come out of it is the result of political motivation, or that we should look at this through a purely political lens. She also said there's clearly been wrongdoing, and that had direct impacts on Illinois consumers. These are the costs of corruption, and um, no matter what side you're on, you should be paying attention, and we all need to be doing something to address this. Kaplan echoed Durkin and urging the governor 
to put the pressure on Madigan to testify. The next hearing into Madigan's involvement in the nearly decade-long bribery scheme utility ComEd admitted to will be after the election, but Democrats are asking for a data dump that Republicans say will stall accountability. Last week, amid Republican questioning, Exelon Compliance Officer David Glockner revealed in an email a Madigan office manager sent related to a utility board post for a Madigan ally. State Representative Tom Demmer asked Smith if there are other communications involving Madigan that they can provide. There are certain communications that um, do fit within that kind of broadly defined parameter. Yes, I mean, I think we we want to have kind of a clear understanding of, of what the specific request is so that we can make sure that we're complying. But the chairman of the committee followed that up with what Demmer said was a data dump request that goes beyond Madigan. You know, any communication between uh, Comet or Exelon and any staff member, employee, consultant, contractor of any governor or legislative leader for the past decade. Committee Chairman Chris Welch said their broad request for the utilities hiring and oversight to lobbyists and consultants is important to the broader context. And he said the next hearing will be November 5th. Republican State Representative Deanne Mazaki, she's on the committee, and she said delaying it is a disservice to voters. We have a Speaker of the House mentioned 72 times in a deferred prosecution agreement. We are right before an election, and Chris Welch doesn't want to give the voters that transparency. That's despicable. A public finance watchdog says there are all kinds of tripwires Illinois state government could hit to trigger a junk credit rating fairly quickly. WirePoint's President Ted Dabrowski said state's politicians are running out of options and are costing taxpayers more by borrowing more money. You know, they're even warning, yes, that the tax hikes might help the bondholders. You know, the bondholders will be happy if there's tax hikes because there's more money for them. Uh, but that doesn't help the average Illinoisan. Dabrowski said while neighboring Indiana may be borrowing 1.5% with good credit, Illinois' near-junk status has the state paying 5.5% for borrowing. Fitch Ratings Agency gave $850 million of borrowing the state issued a triple B minus rating. Some of that borrowing is for the state's pension buyout program. Dabrowski said that's not providing real savings. And the worse it gets, the more that the budget gets eaten up by these costs. And, and the worse get, the, the public services go. And this, this is the, the state, uh, state in decline in that sense because it's, all the money is being uh, eaten up by financial costs. He expects the state to hit junk status. Clearly, if, if the tax hike doesn't pass, that'll happen. And, and some people view that as bad, but uh, that's actually, you know, what, what the government doesn't need is more money. What the government needs to do is reform. There's also the $5 billion of federal funds Illinois Democrats put into the state budget. It's nowhere in sight. If that doesn't happen, uh, Governor Pritzker's made no plans to figure out how to, to reduce expenses to do that. So I think that could easily trigger the uh, junk bond rating. Including pensions and debt service, Dabrowski said as much as 30% of the state budget set aside to cover financial services like paying on growing debt obligations. Last year, on $2.8 billion of borrowing, Taxpayers incurred interest costs of $1.6 billion. Illinois' budget's out of balance by billions, as Governor J.B. Pritzker continues to hold out hope for a bailout from federal taxes. President Donald Trump tweeted Tuesday negotiations on a new COVID-19 relief package would stop until after the election. He later tweeted he'd immediately sign a standalone bill for $1,200 stimulus checks. Governor J.B. Pritzker pleaded for federal funds to plug the state's budget. And even though... Uh, you know, the president has apparently thrown the talks into disarray uh, now that he's, I don't know, on a 
a cocktail of steroids uh, coming out of the hospital, uh, you know, that uh, we are going to need this kind of support. Pritzker expects something will come together after the election. If the funding doesn't materialize, Pritzker said agencies are being tasked with cuts. What our uh, agencies are looking at is grant programs. Uh, they're looking at their own uh personnel and, you know, the hiring that they've needed to do. The state budget Democrats passed in May and the governor enacted this summer relies on more than $6 billion in federal funds and income tax increases that haven't materialized. Democratic candidate for the 13th Congressional District, Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan, said it's unacceptable the president called off negotiations, but incumbent U.S. Republican U.S. Representative Rodney Davis said that the president walked that back and said the state shouldn't get a bailout and any relief for state coffers may come with strings attached. Because of our state government's ineptness in getting the initial funds out, absolutely, there should be strings attached. Let's see what we can talk about before we start talking about what the final strings are. Davis said the Pritzker administration hasn't released already approved funds to municipalities. Springfield Budget Director Bill McCarty said following federal guidance, allowing already approved federal funds the state's holding to be eligible for public safety costs, they submitted a request to the Pritzker administration. I will tell you that to get the ball rolling, we did submit a claim for $29 million for our payroll for police and fire. That got their attention. Messages seeking comments from the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity were not immediately returned. Supporters of a progressive income tax are distancing themselves from any idea of taxing retirement income. Opponents of changing the flat tax argue small businesses will take the brunt of the proposed tax hike. Carol Edelson, a board member of Jane Addams Seniors in Action, downplayed concerns the amendment will allow lawmakers to tax retirement income. They already have that power. They are not doing it. And uh, and if it happens in the future, we will we'll address that. Edelson joined with AARP volunteers in supporting the constitutional amendment. Rockford Republican State Representative Joe Sosnowski opposes the amendment and opposes taxing retirement. He said if voters approved changing the flat tax to one with graduated rates, it would make it easier for the Democratic majority to pass future tax hikes. And unfortunately, they would not have to go back to the voters. They could just uh, pass that through the legislature and, and put it on the books. And, you know, again, I think it opens the door for just uh, more and more income taxes. The governor proclaimed Illinois won't tax retirement income and dismissed critics who said changing the flat tax to one with progressive rates and higher earners will make that easier. I want to preserve uh, the ban on retirement taxes, and I stand with all Democrats opposed to raising retirement taxes, but the people who are opposed to the fair tax want to put the burden on people who can't afford it. Despite a proposal from the Civic Federation and a bill Pritzker's revenue director proposed when he was in the legislature back in 2017, there's no legislative effort underway to tax retirement income. Todd Mice with the Illinois Chamber of Commerce said that debate aside, small businesses will be hit hard and quote, the ethically challenged legislature can't be trusted with a big bag of cash to spend however they want. Mice announced 40 business groups that are opposed to the tax change. The Nonpartisan Tax Foundation said if Illinois voters approved the change, it would take the state's tax competitiveness among the entire country down from number 36 to number 47. The amendment would need 60% approval to be adopted, or 50% of those who turn out to the election. Two regions of the state the governor placed stricter COVID-19 mitigation measures on are experiencing different levels of enforcement. 
Pritzker said Region 1 over the weekend reverted back to no indoor bar and restaurant service because of an elevated COVID-19 positivity rate. Winnebago County Sheriff Gary Caruana said that he won't enforce the restrictions. There's no criminal statute um, on it, and uh, we're not going to go in and fearmonger. We're not going to, you know, be in the um, business of messing with business owners. Caruana questioned the COVID-19 positivity rate the governor said must come down. Illinois State Police say they didn't issue any citations to businesses defying the orders in Region 1 over last weekend. Down in Madison County, State Police did issue a citation to Fast Eddie's in Alton. That's in Region 4, which also has stricter issues in mitigating the COVID-19 crisis that were issued by the Pritzker administration. And in a situation update last month, the Illinois Department of Public Health said there's an increase in outbreaks in non-congregate settings. The chart from July 1st through mid-September showed fewer than 9% of outbreaks occurred at a bar or restaurant. Those are the industries the Pritzker administration is trying to limit in Region 1 and 4. The sheriff of Winnebago County said they need more than charts and graphs to be able to interfere with businesses. If there's a warrant signed by a judge that we have to go in and do X, Y, Z to a specific business, well, then that's a law that I have to enforce, like an eviction or whatever. But just to say, hey, I have this authority, we don't. And I'm not, and I'm not going to play that. Here's the facts, and I'm, I deal with facts. He said businesses are doing their part to keep things safe and clean for their customers. But this isn't a, quote, police state, he said. Those are the top stories of the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. To the Illinois in Focus podcast. This is the crosstalk segment. Commentary powered by the Center Square. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined by my friend and colleague Dan McCaleb, our executive editor. Dan, how are you? Doing well, Chris. Ever since last night's uh, vice presidential debate, I'm seeing flies everywhere. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. There's a correlation. Oh, my goodness. Taping this Thursday. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you know, you're you're in in that forum, you're on that stage, you know, you're trying to be locked in, and and you know, credit where credits due. You know, Mike Pence didn't didn't flinch, didn't you know, wasn't swatting in his own head, <laughs> which I probably would have been, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know that I would have been able to stay as locked in as 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 uh, as he as as he was. Well, you would have actually felt the fly on flesh. Ouch! Come on, man. <laughs> Follow me both. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, age has not been kind. Um, We've got a lot of things to talk about. If we have time to to double back on the vice presidential debate, maybe we can get there. We have we've got we got to trudge through some Illinois stuff first. And trudging along appears to be the progressive tax um, dubbed by some as the fair tax. doesn't look like they're having a good time. Uh, this has been a, a, a pretty rough week for them, in particular with regard to an inability to really answer questions around 
retirement tax, which I think sends shivers up the spine of everyone. Illinois is one of, I don't know, what is it, 20 states in the country that does not have a tax on a retirement income at the that's, state level. That's about the, the, the one good thing you can say about the Illinois tax situation. Michael Frerichs, treasurer of the state of Illinois, had a news conference scheduled early this week and, um, you know, presumably to, to clarify uh, what he was, you know, what he had previously said, which opened the door to the idea that a an income tax uh, would be uh, not necessarily uh, possible or likely, but, you know, w- would, would be uh, in play. I mean, it's just to be fair about it. Um, you know, because regardless of whether or not the fair tax passes, there's not enough money there, Danny. <laughs> yeah, so earlier this summer, uh, Treasurer Frerichs, um, uh, at a speaking event at a, at a chamber uh, event in the Chicago suburbs, um, spilled the beans that uh, if the progressive tax, I, I refuse to say fair tax, if the progressive tax passes uh now the election now less than a month away so voters who are undecided on it don't have a whole lot of time um uh, to learn about it so let's let's inform our listeners um if the progressive tax passes a constitutional amendment passes in november um it would allow the state to um, set different rates based on different income levels and at this event this summer Treasurer Frerich said it would also allow the state to implement uh, income taxes on retirement income and, and tax higher earners in retirement at higher rates than than lower uh, retire retiree lower income retirees. Well, uh, Governor Pritzker and and others who are pushing for the progressive tax didn't like that this topic uh, was brought forth publicly, and there's been a lot of debate uh, now over the last few weeks um, about how. A progressive tax could, in fact, uh, affect in, uh, retirees' income. And Frerichs uh, has scheduled a, a press conference uh, earlier this week and abruptly canceled it. Republicans accused uh, Pritzker, Governor Pritzker, of stepping in and, and trying to to hush uh, Treasurer Frerichs. Of course, we don't know that for a fact, but that was the act- accusation out there. And um, now people are questioning: Well, is my income, is my retirement income, whether it be uh, Social Security or pension, um, is that going to be taxed if the progressive uh, tax passes? Um, the answer is we don't. We don't know. It's going to be up to the legislature. The legislature, if the progressive tax passes, the legislature will be able to change tax rates and tax retirement income at any point they decide they need to. And of course, uh, Illinois is a black hole with tax dollars. And despite all the tax increases we've had over the years, uh, it's never enough money. So uh, who's to say that they will not? No, well, I think no one's to say that they will not. Um, and I think that that's the, 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 real, the real question, you know, for taxpayers as they, as they look at this, at this ballot question, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second, because they might have some problems with this ballot question. Um, you know, trusting the Illinois legislature to um, hold the line on taxes is a fool's errand. I mean, they, you know, they've, they've, they've gone, they've gone into it legislatively as many times as they can. And, you know, over the past, uh, really the past 25 years, 
um, to generate you know more revenue, to expand the budget, to expand spending in Illinois, largely driven by pension obligation. I mean, it's just, just you know the you know you, you could take a look around in, in the community where you live and 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 identify the the you know the infrastructure that would be the state's responsibility versus the infrastructure that would be the the local municipalities. Uh, responsibility and ask yourself, is it, is it, you know, does it look like you're getting your money's worth where you live on state related stuff? And I think a lot of people objectively would have to say, no, not really. Um, but uh, with regard to that ballot question, uh, Illinois Policy Institute um, filed a civil complaint uh, on Monday claiming that the wording of the progressive tax is uh, I guess ambiguous. Is that the, the best way to, to, to say that? Or is it, they're saying actually that it's wildly biased uh, yeah. and mis misrepresents what the amendment ultimately would do. Yeah. They're, they're saying it's, it's essentially misleading um, um, because it doesn't address the potential for uh, a new income tax on retirement earnings. Um, it doesn't let, voters know that that's, that's a very real possibility. Um, lawmakers have a plan for what they, they will set their rates at, but that plan can change at almost any time. Um, it, the, the language of the constitutional amendment does not let voters know that. So there's many, many things about the, the, the language that's gonna be on the ballot um, that just is misleading because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't let voters know the many different options uh, that lawmakers will have if, in fact, this progressive income tax uh, passes. Right. And that connects back to the idea that retirement income tax or that, that retirement income could be taxed. Um, and, you know, it also, uh, I guess, opens the door for the different rates that are proposed in this initial form, you know, that's been that's been discussed that those rates could be could be increased based on the needs of the state. I mean, looking at the at the story that we published, uh, and this is you know a, a photograph that accompanies that you know with uh, Governor Pritzker at a at a, a podium or a lectern with an under the fair tax poster behind him that shows you know the savings that a family of six you know that would have a joint income of sixty one thousand dollars they would have a Two hundred and seventy-one dollar um, savings, in theory. You know, if the if the if the uh, progressive income tax were to pass, that would be in year one if they stay with the tax rates that they are saying that they will implement. But you know, as people try to like get their heads around, you know, it's like, well, they already have the ability to, to change tax rates. But those tax rates are applied equally across all income strata. Yeah, right, and that and that and that paltry savings. But what the, what supporters of the progressive tax don't tell you is that savings has already been swallowed up by the increase, the doubling of the state gas tax, uh, the, the huge increase on vehicle registration fees that 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 drivers pay every single year on every single vehicle right. they their family owns right um that money is already gone then it, it takes into account none of the other potential taxes that could be laid in on all manner of things i mean my goodness i mean you know in the in the last couple three years alone i mean you've had taxes that have been discussed at the at the local level but also at the state level on things like 
plastic straws and plastic bags and, you know, uh, you name it. I mean, you know, virtually anything um, that would be a, a, con a consumable that that they could affix a, uh, um, I guess, assign a problem to, you know, um, user taxes that that basically uh, address things that might either be environmental in nature or uh, behaviorally, you know, I mean, they could, in theory, they could increase uh, fees, which aren't taxes, but fees on, you know, hunting licenses, fishing licenses, right. and all those ultimately are, they are all taxes uh, in that they are monies that we would have to come up with to do the things that we're kind of already doing. And don't, don't forget property taxes, which continue to go up for most Illinois uh, property owners, homeowners, despite the fact that the legislature legislature created uh, a number of different committees to study how to bring ta uh, property taxes down. Um, uh, we've discussed before what a farce that was, but every every year my property taxes go up, and my, of course, the majority of my property taxes, the majority of most homeowners' property taxes go to pay for your local school districts. Yeah, um, seven seventy two percent in my in my in in my little uh, corner of the world. Right, it's right about seventy percent for me as well. Um, and if, if, so those taxes continue to go up each year, even though we're not in school. Right, right. And so I did get my I did get my letter uh, last week. I think it came in and we didn't I didn't have a chance to bring it up. But I can plan from an ass assessment standpoint. Uh, I believe it's five point one four percent or what my taxes are going up. I might be I might be off on it. It might be five point four percent, but it's 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 in it. It's in excess of five of five percent. And, you know, the, the one thing that that really hasn't been discussed and and you know uh governor pritzker hasn't had a willingness to talk about this uh and it's certainly not being discussed at a local level because there's just uncertainty as to what's going you know what's going to happen when you know once you know after i should say you know a, a vote has been decided um but property taxes this any solution there has not yet been found and i don't feel as if they're looking very hard <laughs> they've been talking about property tax relief for for years maybe even more than a decade now because everyone knows it's a problem it's it's part of what's driving uh the out migration from illinois we lose on net population every year in the tens of thousands um, um so yeah they've been talking about it forever and so far we've gotten zero solutions and don't expect this legislature uh to give us any uh solutions anytime soon right well, um, let's um, let's let's continue to talk about money and the state. So, when a state needs money that it doesn't have, it has to go out into the market and borrow it. It does that in the, you know, through a, a mechanism that includes selling of bonds. Illinois has one of uh, the lowest, if not the lowest, based on the most recent Fitch report. It's a BBB minus rating, so triple B minus rating, which is one notch above double B. Um, which is a speculative grade. And, and there are some that are saying that this triple B minus rating is actually junk bond status. So the state is going out and borrowing or attempting to borrow via the issuance of bonds, $850 million. Um, give us an update on that. And what's, you know, what, what does that mean? And, and where's the money going? And yeah. So even though Illinois 
has a backlog of bills of about $8 billion, has a pension deficit of $140 billion, has uh, a debt on medical, uh, on future medical payments for state retirees that brings the overall debt burden to more than $200 billion. The states decided to go out and borrow another $850 million for things like um, construction projects, capital projects. Um, and, and how this works is uh, the state issues bonds, investors um, decide whether or, they want, whether or not they want to risk their money uh, on, on buying the bonds. And when the state's credit rating gets this low, investors expect a significantly higher return on their investment. Um, so the state ends up paying higher interest rates on mm -hmm. those bonds. Uh, so what that means is we're not just borrow. We wouldn't be just, we're not just borrowing $850 million uh, to pay for capital projects. We're pay borrowing $850 million plus a jacked up interest interest rate because the state can't get its fiscal house in order. Right. So, you know, I mean, you know, with the kind of like to sort of bring, bring home what that's all about, you know, you're, you're sitting around and you're, you're watching a, an NFL game or something like that and you see an advertisement for say, you know, Buick or Dodge or Lexus or whatever that, that appears on the screen. And they say, you know, 1.9% financing, you know, for qualified borrowers. Well, the state of Illinois is not getting the 1.9% for 60 months. They're the ones actually that would be going to the buy here, pay here lot and getting interest rates that are multiple of uh, the, the rate that other states that are healthier uh, that they would receive when they issue bonds simply because of the fiscal stability. I mean, the concern overriding in the market is that you know Illinois will have the you know will not have the ability to pay, and if you've been following along through you know these wonderful days of COVID and, and certainly you know paying attention to the you know the, uh, the the Democrats plan in Congress you know as it pertains to um, stimulus, part of what's in there and what has been discussed all along is a quote unquote bailout of states exclusively blue states that have just been uh, mismanaged over long periods of time, Illinois being the poster child for uh, blue state uh, mismanagement, fiscal mismanagement. And uh, ultimately a lot of what, uh, a lot of what is, is being considered at this point in the state of Illinois, you know, going forward is reliant on some sort of a bailout. So lenders would look at this, the people that would actually, you know, purchase these bonds are like, well, gee whiz, man, you know, we don't want to be on a, on a creditor's list. You know, you might say, well, you know, it's the state of Illinois. Of course, they're going to pay this bill. Yeah. And they probably will pay the bill, but when, I mean, is the issue, it's the time value of money and, and the ability of the state to actually stay within its covenants and pay on time that has been a problem for the state of Illinois. Well, you, and you, you, the other issue here is, is you mentioned Illinois is relying on a federal bailout. Its current, its current budget is billions of dollars out of balance. Uh, Governor Pritzker and uh, lawmakers hope to close that gap um, through one, a progressive income tax uh, that hasn't passed yet and that voters haven't weighed in on yet. We'll know in a month or so, and two on a federal bailout that hasn't happened yet and might not ever happen. So if you're an investor 
Um, you've got a state that's billion that has a current that has more than two hundred billion dollars in debt, and, and has a current fiscal year budget that is out of, out of balance, and then it, and then it's counting on two things that we don't know is going to happen. Um, you're taking a chance. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So, I mean, obviously, you know, most Americans, and I would think on on you know to to the same degree, most Illinoisans are are really focused on the on the political or excuse me, the presidential election, this political season. Um, let's say that, that, that Donald Trump somehow, some way holds on to the white house and the Republicans somehow, some way hold on to the Senate. So you still have a Republican president and a, and a, and a Republican dominated Senate and a Democrat uh, house. There's not going to be any bailout for Illinois in no, that scenario. Absolutely not. But let's, but let's consider for a second that, you know, that you, 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 you see, you know, what uh, it is probably equally as possible and trying to hold like two opposing ideas up at the same time and give them each merit. Let's just say that that Joe Biden uh, wins the White House. And let's just say that there is a, uh, a shift in the Senate where the Senate becomes Democrat majority. So you have a trifecta, which hasn't been the case since, was it the first term of... Um, Barack Obama's presidency, like 2008, was it? Was that? Did, did, forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to recollect what you know whether whether that actually happened. I thought for the for the, at least the first two years that he had, um, he had a a Democrat Congress and and he had a Democrat controlled Senate. Does that does that? Ring a bell. Yeah, that's how they were able to pass uh, uh, the, the ACA. Care Act. Yeah, uh, right. Obamacare. Right. Um, so you'd have that in theory again. So you'd have two years of of, of Democrat control um, in this scenario that it had just created. Biden wins. The Senate goes to the Democrats, and and the Democrats hold their positions in the House. I don't think it's a complete layup, and certainly not a slam dunk that. You know, there would be federal bailouts addressing, um, you know, the the problematic states in the United States. So I think even that is a is a reach. Just to, to clarify here, too, uh, under um, Trump's first two years in office, uh, they did have the Republicans had, did have the trifecta. That's how they were able to get the uh, the the tax cuts uh, at the end of uh, 2017. So the Republicans have had it. Um, Democrats had it during the first two years of Obama's term, um, but no, it does not necessarily. It certainly means it would be more likely, certainly more likely than if Trump is reelected or the Senate, uh, the Republicans continue to hold the Senate. It would be more likely than that, but it's not a shoe in by any means. Yeah, and I think that that you know if you if you follow along very very closely with regard to the way that you know, the, the state of Illinois is, is kind of uh, aligning its stars or attempting to align the stars that, that a lot of their bet is reliant on that happening and getting federal money. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a, not an insignificant amount of money that the state of Illinois would be seeking even on an annualized basis, let alone a, sort of a, a longer term commitment where Illinois gets sort of picked up and effectively subsidized by the other states in the union, it just seems like, um, not to say like a Hail Mary pass, but I mean, it's uh, it wouldn't be necessarily 
the way that a fiscally sound planner would bank on their future. No, it, it, it's because it's complete speculation. If, if, if things don't, if voters decide otherwise, um, you have, you've essentially got billions of dollars, um, a, a, a billions of dollars in um, expenses that you have no revenue to pay for. Governor Pritzker has, quote unquote, threatened um, cuts if if the progressive tax doesn't pass and if there's not a federal bailout. Well, he should have been talking cuts and, and implementing cuts long time ago. Yeah, well, Illinois is one of the few states in the union where there have been virtually no cuts. I mean, to the to the state budget during the during COVID nineteen, uh, during this pandemic, and um, it's almost it almost feels as if that is a that is a setup that they're going to continue to drive expenses, worsening the problem to create a better case for the need for federal bailout and. Um, under neither of those scenarios do I see that. I mean, certainly, if uh, if Trump is is reelected, um, it's not going to happen. If Biden is elected, I don't think it's a gimme. It's not a two foot. Oh, pie. certainly not a gimme. Yeah, it's not. A, so on the on the on the fiscal side, um, Cato Institute's uh, fiscal policy report card on Americans uh, America's governors came out this week, and um, you know. Uh, Cato, very, very tax centric, um, free market um, think tank. They've been around for a long time. They, they do good work. Um, I think they do fair work. Uh, they gave the state of Illinois a pretty hard F um, with regard to their fiscal constraint of, uh, of, of leadership uh, here in Illinois. Given everything we've talked about uh, up to this topic, it's not a surprise. But uh, it is it is a sad uh, rating, nonetheless, that that uh, Illinois Governor Pritzker is one of a handful of governors who uh, who got an F from Cato's uh, fiscal policy report. Um, it's, it's because of all these bad policy decisions that have been made. Tax yeah, increases, tax increases, spending increases after spending increases. It's like a who's who of of blue state leadership: uh, Ralph Northam, Virginia; Andrew Cuomo, New York; Phil Murphy, New Jersey; Jay Inslee, Washington; Kate Brown, Oregon; and uh, Gretchen Whitmer of uh, Michigan. All got Fs. Only four governors got the highest grade of an A: Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, uh, Kim Reynolds in Ohio, Pete Ricketts in Nebraska, and. Uh, or excuse me, Kim Reynolds of Iowa, Pete Ricketts of Nebraska, and Mark Gordon of uh, of Wyoming. All right, all Republican um, governors. Yeah, I mean it's it's an it's an interesting report and and well well worth it. Center Square wrote about that uh, earlier this week. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, great, those things are interesting. They're good talkers. Um, of course, you know, people like lists, and and I think it uh, it creates an opportunity to kind of discuss where your state is in comparison with other states as a reminder we live in the united states plural of america not the united state of america business is done differently in different places um we haven't talked about uh house speaker mike madigan uh yet today um he has not really been seen or heard from 
in quite some time, which is uh, which is fascinating. Of course, you know there was a, a committee that that met last week to uh, to, to talk about um, you know what was going on, you know, w- with the with the ComEd scandal. Um, Michael Madigan was invited to to participate in that, and I guess he had something else going on. He 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 politely or impolitely, however, I shouldn't characterize it. He simply declined. Um, but now. Um, this committee uh, is going to meet after the election. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, can you really have this? Can you really have this committee? Can this committee really do anything or or produce anything meaningful if it does not have <laughs> the primary person that it would like to talk to uh, come? Are they going to subpoena him? What 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 is what's going on here? Republicans have asked, uh, Republicans on the committee have asked to subpoena uh, Michael Madden, and of course, Democratic majority, uh, both in both chamber, in both chambers, as well as on this investigative committee have refused. Uh, we, they did have, have a hearing, as you noted last week, where some ComEd officials who um, admitted to this near decade long bribery scandal um, uh, gave some compelling uh, testimony. Um, after that committee hearing ended, um, they, they de- declined to schedule a next meeting. And since then, we found out um, the Democrats have asked for a huge, uh, essentially a data dump um, from ComEd that's going to push the, that's essentially going to mean that they're not going to meet again until after the election, which mm-hmm. seems like a stalling tactic to me. Um, Democrats aren't interested in the public finding out the truth about this situation. Certainly not not until the election, after the election happens. Um, but it's just the dust, justice delayed is justice denied. You know, in and one of the, the sort of the the story in the in the background of that is that you know Michael Madigan is the chairman of the Illinois Democrat Party and has control over a significant amount of money that is uh, being funneled to uh, Democrats in state level races uh, around Illinois. And we haven't had um, many, if any, um, and and please clarify my thinking on this, don't wanna speak in absolute, so I wanna be clear that we're we're trying to just get an understanding of the truth. But I don't believe that there's been any um, Democrat who's taken money from uh, the direction of, of Mike Madigan in his role as uh, Democrat chairman in Illinois, who have said, you know, uh, no, I don't, I don't want this money. I want to, I want to run on my own. Uh, I, I don't want to be connected to that. Right, and which explains why they don't, they don't want to hold hearings on uh, Madigan's connection to this ComEd bribery scandal. They need to win an election. Um, Madigan controls the purse strings. Uh, he rules with an iron fist. You speak out against him. He's going to withhold money. He's going to withhold uh, influence. Um, so why don't we let's just wait till we win re-election and then we'll decide what we're going to do. Yeah. So Stephanie Kifowit, who's a Democrat um, from Aurora, but I believe she lives in uh, in Oswego. You know, Aurora is kind of a, a massive geographic area, like like Elgin would be up here in, in the uh, in the Chicago suburbs. She has said that she's going to make a run um, for House Speaker and has uh, spoken out. Has anybody else come forward on that front? Does, and does as Stephanie Kifowit, does she have any support? Is it, Where are we with that story? 
So no one else has come out. It's certainly possible, also, also depending on any developments um, in, in the ComEd Madigan uh, job scandal. Um, no one has formally come out and said, I'm going to particularly Democrats um, have said I'm going to I'm going to support Stephanie Kifowit until after the election is over. There's no de Democrats that want to touch that because of Madigan's uh, power. Mm -hmm. um, but it will be interesting to see after the election if there are some more Democrats who break with Michael Madigan and either decide to support uh, Representative Kifowit or decide to run on their own. But none of that would be likely or or probable prior to november 3rd no i mean that just that that would just be you know that i think that that would be a, an absolute long shot right of course representative kifowit is on the ballot uh in november uh she is she is uncontested however there is no republican who is running against her, no republican or independent for that matter that's running against her so she's a sure thing she's a lock to right. win re-election too late and, too late to run a to, to run a, a straw man candidate or or to, to pose any or to, to to put in any kind of an opposition i mean if the democrats were angry <laughs> by the fact that she stepped up and stepped out there's nothing they, that they can even do about it internally at this point yeah you could you could launch a write-in campaign but those in, in in state house races those those never work a write-in campaign there have been small a few cases where write-in campaigns have worked, but they're in really small geographic areas, small towns, things like that. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be interesting to, to, to watch. Is it, any Anything else, you know, with regard to, you know, the election on November 3rd, statewide stuff, uh, any of that come to mind for you? Or, or is there anything, any, any storylines that sort of rise to the top Things that maybe we haven't we haven't had a chance to to talk about in the last uh, X number of weeks. But uh, well, control of the uh, Illinois House is is in line. Of course, Democrats have have controlled the House for 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 decades. Um, but just this past ele two years ago, the election, uh, the House gained super majorities control, which gives them veto veto power over the government or over the governor. Of course, back then, uh, Rauner was the governor, so it was more important then. Um, but that's something to look out for, whether or not Republicans, are, they're not going to flip the House, but can they gain enough seats in the House to um, not, so Democrats don't have a supermajority? Um, so that's one thing. Senate, has, the Senate, the state Senate has had a supermajority for a number of uh, election cycles now. So that's, uh, that's almost, uh, certain going to happen again. The big thing is really the constitutional amendment to change the state's flat income tax to a, a, a progressive income tax, which would allow lawmakers to raise rates on any year, any time, and, and include the uh, in, an income tax on retirement income. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, this is an odd year in that regard. I mean, I think a lot of Illinoisans are going to go to the, to the polls, as we talked about, simply to to either um, vote for uh, Joe Biden or or for Donald Trump, and and when they get there, they're going to be met with some other choices, and um, and in some in some markets. But as we've talked about before, there is a very significant number of House races where there's no opposition at all, and so it's uh, almost that's, that's, almost half, yeah, yeah. That's what, what, that's kind of that's disappointing. I mean, that's oh, yeah. just a, you know, I mean, in, in, as we. You know, in a world where we feel like overwhelmed with choices, 
Like literally, we, we're overwhelmed with choices. You go to the grocery store, there's, you know, 50 different cereals to choose from. You know, there's probably four or five different kinds of milk that you, that, you know, that you could choose from. Um, in, in, in the, this year's ballot, uh, in, in a lot of uh, different districts, uh, there's really not a lot of choice. And that's largely because of how the state handles redistricting every 10 years after the U.S. Census is completed. Um, you have to redistrict, change the uh, the district boundaries in for the, the state house, the state senate to align with population changes as people move. People move from one district to another. People move out of a district. Um, so there, there, there needs to be an equal population in each state house uh, district in each state Senate district. And of course, Michael Madigan has controlled the redistricting process for the last few decades and they gerrymander the districts to, um, favor the Democrats. So they'll create a few, uh, through gerrymandering, a few, a handful of Republican, uh, only districts and, uh, where they lump you know, where, where voting trends show that Republicans live and whatnot, they'll lump those into a small number of districts and then um, dilute uh, uh, other areas so Republicans don't have a chance of winning. So why why put forward the effort, put forward the money it takes to run uh, a race like that if, you know, the district is 80 percent Democrat? Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. And that, that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to, to talk, um, you know, just as sort of one last thing I, I, I'd mentioned on, on the, um, on the Illinois and focus podcast and here on the Illinois radio network, uh, that I had been, I guess, I don't say it like a victim, but, uh, someone attempted to file an unemployment claim, uh, based on my name. It was, uh, about a month ago, we're, we're taping this on uh, October 8th. I received a letter from the state of Illinois on, I believe it was October, or excuse me, September 16th, and immediately called the Illinois Department of Employment Security to notify it that um, something nefarious was going on. And uh, at in as part of that call, you know, I had an option of either staying on the line, which you know they they persuade you not to do that by you know, really telling you don't stay on the line because, you know, we high volume of calls. We're going to call you back. Um, it is October 8th. I have not received a call back from the Illinois Department of Employment Security to talk about um, this uh, fake filing. And um, if I were a more nervous person, uh, I probably would be pretty upset. Um, but That's- I, mean, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it, this is a level of incompetence that is really, it's unbelievable because, you know, I, I, I totally get the fact that there are, you know, that there are a lot of Illinoisans who are, you know, in line uh, and deserving of, of, of their benefits. And, um, you know, I, I'm certainly not suggesting that I, you know, I expected a phone call back, you know, that day or the next day, but, you know, we are now, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 business days beyond that point. That's, that's unacceptable. Illinois, because of COVID-19, COVID-19 restrictions um, uh, uh, that closed down 
businesses deemed non-essential. Of course, the unemployment rate across the country shot up, particularly you know, Illinois included. And Illinois was the first state that had to, uh, that's unemployment fund got was depleted and had to borrow money um, from the federal government that we're going to have to pay back. The taxpayers are going to have to pay back um, just to make these unemployment claims. And to think that because we're borrowing money to pay unemployment claims and there's this fraud going on if it happened to you how many other how many um other thousands of people did it happen to you would think they'd want to stamp that out immediately uh find out what's going on so they're not fraudulent they're not paying these fraudulent claims and here it is almost three weeks and, and they haven't even gotten back to you that's just unacceptable yeah i mean i guess um i guess we'll just kind of sit here and wait you know and sit by the phone, you know, I'm sure it's going to ring sooner or later. You know, I really, I really look forward to that. Good luck. Um, so maybe it's time for me to make another phone call. Um, of course it did say that if I called back, that would affect my position in line. <laughs> Just put it, put it on speaker, make sure you're on the, it's on the charger. So your, your battery life doesn't run out and just get some chores done while you're waiting for the, someone to pick up. So we, we alluded to this at the beginning, just real quick conversation to close the loop. I and mean, we were two debates in and, and there was news today, um, presidential debates. in. then there's news today that uh, that Donald Trump is like not going to do the virtual town hall uh, from Miami, which I think is fascinating. Of course, we've gone through a, a, quite a bit of political theater in the last week, you know, in Washington, where the, the president was uh, uh um, diagnosed as, as uh, being COVID-19 positive, uh, went to Walter Reed Medical Center and uh, and returned to work very, very quickly, faster than I would have thought that someone, you know, who had had a, a, a COVID diagnosis could, could possibly do it, uh, given that he's 70, what is he, 74 years 74, old at this point? Correct, yes. And, um, you know, and he and his diet is largely composed of uh, what is it, Big Macs and uh, and Diet Coke, which is. But he's the healthiest president ever. It's quite a way to roll, man. I mean, the the diet the Diet Coke Big Mac diet. I have never. Um, I, I, well, I shouldn't say never have subscribed to that. I mean, but you know, I I think it's it's pretty fascinating. He does. He eats. He eats like a a, a journalist. Like a, like an uh, like an old an old journalist. I could see him sitting on our uh, uh, on a copy desk, you know, powering through a couple of Big Macs with a giant sized Diet Coke. Speaking um, of which, are you, you going to spring for pizza on election night? Of course, of course. I, you know, we have to fan out and and uh, and and get some get some pizzas. But uh, yeah, I like personal pan pizzas from uh, like the frozen kind that you yeah get, uh, Totino's, I think, or something right. like that. We'll pick yeah. a we'll. we'll We'll pick an Illinois brand. I mean, oh. just to just you know to to keep to keep it here. Thanks. Maybe so. some Thanks home run in or something like that. You know, something something good. I'll 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 uh, I'll check in uh, with uh, Dave Portnoy, the uh, the pizza reviewer from Barstool Sports, to make sure that I get you, you know, some really some really sweet sweet uh, frozen pizza. But um, the debate itself was kind of interesting last night. Um, uh, certainly more civil. Um, two very different styles. So a, a, a fascinating contrast in how to, how people communicate and how, how people would uh, articulate their positions and issues. Um, what was your takeaway? Well, it was certainly much more professional in the first presidential debate um, uh, last week. I thought, I thought both 
candidates held held up pretty well. Um, uh, Vice President Mike Pence was clear and concise and, and polite. Um, he thanked uh, Kamala Harris uh, on a number of occasions for um, her participation and, and, and whatnot. So I, I thought it went I thought it went pretty well. At least they talked mostly about the issues. Whereas last week's presidential debate devolved into a name calling slugfest. Um, I think that that's perfectly captured. It was a name calling slugfest. So yeah, the fact that um, uh, because of uh, the stated reason is because of President Trump's uh, COVID-19 positive test. Um, the, the, the committee that puts on these debates said it's going to be virtual next week. Of course, President Trump said that, said this morning that he wasn't going to participate because they're essentially um, giving Joe Biden a pass. Um, um, I hope it happens, whether it's virtual or in person. Um, you know, With the plexiglass that was put up last night, it was clear you can have these debates safely. Uh, you can space them out six feet, 16 feet apart, have uh, plexiglass protections there. I don't know why they feel the need to do it. Um, I just hope it happens. Why couldn't you put them in different rooms? I mean, why, why couldn't something like that be constructed? I mean, I get the idea that a, that a virtual, you know, that a, a, a virtual uh, town hall would be somewhat awkward. You know, why, why isn't there any consideration for simply changing the format and does this take away the possibility that 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 Trump and uh, Biden um, have a fourth debate with Joe Rogan, which is the one that I really want to see? <laughs> that would be fun. I don't think that one's going to happen either. Um, so if if they if President Trump sticks to his word and does not have uh, uh, the presidential debate on the 15th. There'll only be one uh, one opportunity left for American voters to see the two um, side by side, hopefully discussing issues and, and not calling each other names, but um, we'll see. Well, Dan, I appreciate the time. It's always fun to talk with you. We made, we managed to get through there without talking about the fly on, uh, on uh, Vice President Mike Pence's head, which I think probably is to everyone's benefit. Um, uh, I look forward to catching up with you uh, next week. Enjoyed it as, as always. For Dan McHale, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast, the Crosstalk segment commentary powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square in Illinois will be working on next week. Next week brings us even closer to the November 3rd general election. We'll continue to review the issues facing voters while also tracking the ongoing investigation into House Speaker Michael Madigan and the ComEd bribery scandal. Plus, we'll bring you the latest developments in the governor's COVID-19 mitigation strategies. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.